always an angel, whether they're, and the thing of it is like, um, are they creepy looking? Yeah, well, everybody freaks out, right? Like yeah. when they see an angel, there's got to be something, right? Yeah. Or it's just the shockiness of like how they're descending, or uh, there's no presence, and then there's suddenly a presence. Beam me down. <laughs> yeah. The other thing too is, you know, we look at it through the 21st century Western yeah. lens, right? Well, if you're looking at it through a, you know, pre-Christ or even just around Christ, you know, Hebrew. And you know the backstory of the Watchers. Yeah. You get a little twitchy when, when, oh, yeah. when angels and stuff show up. Thank you for joining us yet again. Or if it's your first time, thanks for joining us for the first time. And hopefully the next time will be yet again. Yeah, maybe. So there you go. So uh, we are uh, meeting to record today on our first truly frigid, horrendous <laughs> day uh, of the winter season. We had an easy December. Yeah. But uh, January has been easy so far. But today, winter in Indiana finally showed up. Yes, it did. I think the was registering negative 30 yeah wind chill yeah. this morning but we didn't get the snow no we, we have, didn't uh, our neighbors uh, next door who were here originally when we got here they are uh, singular we have one one person lives next to us um they moved to wisconsin and they had some pictures that they shared online literally up to their knee they wow. got they got hammered but it was fun it was fun watching them play in the snow they didn't have like the the wind stuff we did yeah but yeah they got smashed yeah, um, we follow a lot of um, Michigan Upper Peninsula stuff, and they, oh, they were all yeah. excited up there. They were getting snow. Yeah, I like the snow. Uh, if it's going to be cold like this, dude, I want the snow too. I like snow. I just don't like driving in it. Yeah, that's the. Only. If I had a if I had a snowmobile or a four wheeler, I'd be out there playing in it. Yeah, they had a they had a they had a gator. They were yeah. They was towing the yeah his wife and their little girl on. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Yeah, we need some toys here, but maybe someday. Maybe. We'll see. Waiting on that mailbox money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little inside joke between Ben and I. But thank you for joining us yet again. We have decided for this episode, um, we've kind of, we believe it or not, we actually sat down and I think we plan things out. We'll see if we stick to it. We'll probably have some deviations until like September, I think. Yeah. But today's episode is going to kind of go probably with what we record next. I think we're just going to do do uh, take a take it one at a time here. But we are going to talk about guardian angels. I know I have one, maybe a few. Yeah, yeah. Do you like really know that you have one? Being serious, um, for the things, <laughs> <laughs> or is that just God's grace being shined upon you? Uh, but we hear a lot of stories of yeah. that, right? Like where like people actually see. Or experience like, you know, 
they believe their guardian angel protected them in this particular situation or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I, I believe that. I mean, I even have a story that... Oh, story time with Ben. No, do we want to roll? Do we? Okay. Let's I do get, it, man. Um, we were at a family get together with Maria's family and one of her uncles rode his motorcycle. And it was a long time since I've been on a motorcycle. And this was kind of, uh, it, Uh-oh. it, it was a, uh, not a good one to get on when you haven't <laughs> been on for a while. <laughs> a death cycle. So I'm going around and have, you know, everybody's cheering, Ben, Ben, Ben. Yeah, in your head. Yeah, no, they, the, her real? family was okay, actually cool. doing that. Okay, cool. And Maria's videotaping, of course. Yeah, I shouldn't say video. <sighs> She's got her phone recording. I am old. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put that on us, man. We're middle-aged. The throttle sticks. Oh, no. I take off. I hit a parking pylon. I get airborne. So sailed you right over the handlebars. You're no, no. I stuck the landing, but I did not let go. Oh, you stayed on the bus, so the bike went airborne too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't let go. I should have let go. I didn't let go. We went flying. Me and the bike. I went over the handlebars. I ran over myself on the bike. From like my shoulder to my leg, the tread was in my stomach. Like on your body? like On my body, like, and it crinkled the shirt. Oh, my, my t- goodness. T-shirt I was wearing, and my arm ended up in the, uh, wrapped around the engine. Oh, my gosh. And I get up, and I'm like, I'm alive. <laughs> I could have been dead. And yeah. I think uh, I think the guardian, my guardian angel was there with me the whole time. I'm being serious. I yeah. know it's a fun, it's a fun, crazy story, but um, I, I believe that. I wasn't scared at all. Even That's afterwards, crazy. I, the, the, I, it was like a weird piece. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty whacked out. I never, the only thing I've had anything at all, I mean, like I got in a car crash one time, the airbags blew. If you ever had that happen, that's an experience. No, I've never had that. That is a very, though. it's very much like a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, um, it's, it's literally like little shotgun charges. Yeah. I can imagine in the dash. I mean, you do it. The, the, everything explodes and, um, it's literally like a, you hear the ringing in your ears. Yeah. Just, it's just like a movie and the entire cab fills with like a smoky haze and it smells like gunpowder. Was it purple? It was not. (laughs) That would have been more fun, but it's like that. It's, it's a surreal experience. Yeah. It's funny too, like how your how your brain works in that kind of an emergent situation. Yeah, I remember thinking how fast everything happened, but I also very distinctly remembering thinking through my options on what I needed to do in the situation. Yeah, and I really only had one option, and it sucked. I had to just get over as far left as I could and hit the brake and hope that the person cleared me in front of me. Yeah, she was cutting in front of me, uh, okay. like into a parking lot. I was in the turn lane and she was cutting through like stop traffic to turn into a parking lot. Uh, and I had nowhere to go because the traffic was backed up on my left and I couldn't go into the parking lot or I would have T-boned her because that's where she's going. So I had to just get over as far left in the lane as I could, slam the brakes and hope she cleared me. And I remember vividly thinking she's not going to clear the car. And I did. I hit her right uh, like over the rear passenger's tire and on the back quarter panel area and spun her around, I don't know, 180 degrees maybe. That's her fault. It's her fault. She cut in front of me, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, I hate to 
that's the way the insurance obviously looks at everything, whose fault it is, who we're going to pin this on and who's going to pay for it ultimately. But, you know, obviously didn't mean to do it. I had a, it's funny though, because I remember taking a phone call from the insurance agent and, um, you know, he's asking me all these things and how everything happened in my recollection. He goes, Mr. Milhon, one final thing before I hang up the phone. He goes, she did say that she found it very hard uh, to believe that you didn't see her coming through all the windows of the backed up traffic. And I said, <laughs> I said, really? And he's like, yes. And I said, well, wouldn't the same thing apply then too? I find it hard to believe that she couldn't see me coming through all the windows of the backed up traffic. And he goes, that's a valid point, Mr. Milhon. I'll see you later. Have a good day. <laughs> and that was it. It was like, you know, they didn't, they couldn't do much. Yeah. That was pretty obvious. But yeah, man, that's a scary thing. And I don't know. I couldn't say guardian angels were there, guardian angel or anything. I can't think of anything at any time in my life. And sorry if I have a guardian angel. I am so shortchanging you <laughs> right now. I just can't think of anything specifically that comes to mind where I would say that my guardian angel, you know, was there. I can yeah. think of things that I did where I'm like, I'm glad I didn't come out of them. Yeah. You know, dead. Um, yeah. I was teaching our youngest today because we did get a little bit of the weather and stuff and I was letting him drive because he hasn't really experienced this, you know, driving in snow a lot yet just to get some experience because it wasn't really enough to really experience it fully, but I wanted to give him a little, some tips and stuff. And I remember I was telling him like, don't slam on the brakes. You know, you pump, pump the brakes, even with any lock brakes, pump the brakes. Yeah. It makes a difference. <clears throat> and, um, I remember thinking that I did that when I was a kid. I was going over to my girlfriend's house, and uh, <clears throat> it was pretty icy out, and I missed her drive, and I was going faster than I should have. And instinctively, I went to go slam on the brakes to stop and you know, back up. And the minute I did that, I locked them up, and I literally yeah. spun the car straight down the road in circles. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I, am, I can't believe I didn't hit a telephone pole or something because I probably would be dead. Yeah. But, you know, you look back and you're like, maybe I just got lucky or, you know, whatever. God spared me. Who knows? I remember um, um, working at a warehouse and there's a tornado. So we all go to the tornado shelter and there's this young kid just flipping out, scared to death. I mean, he was pale. And we hear it hit the building. Oh. And it's like, you know, noise and everything. And I'm like, man. But right above us now, he's like, aren't you scared? I was like, no. He's like, why aren't you scared? It's like, we're in a big building. That's not a very big tornado. I said, and I said, and I think God's got me still. So don't worry about it. You know, and I was just very calm, very, you know. Yeah. Did he calm down? No, he's, it was like, he was like, what do you mean? You know, and they're, I mean, it was like all these people were just like thinking it was like the end of the world. And I was the only one that was like. I was not worried about it. It's like time slowed down for me. Yeah. You know, and I'm just watching all this in these few split seconds as power is going out and everything. And I'm just like, I was so calm. It was just like. There was nothing to worry about, you know, yeah, and, and at the aftermath was crazy because it took all the rocks on the top of the building and threw them into the parking lot, into the cars. How long ago was this? To, uh, it was in November of, which is late in the season, but yeah, I want to say 
13, 12 I, or 13. I remember that. Were you at a warehouse kind of down the way here? In uh, Lebanon, yeah. Oh, it was in Lebanon. Yeah. Um, you worked with someone who actually yeah. I used to work with, and I remember her uh, telling us that story. Because okay. it took all the rocks off the roof and threw them through the cars. Yeah. You got you got your cars peppered like shotguns. Yeah. I I am familiar with that. Yeah. I am familiar with that story. I was I so calm. I, I was so calm and it was like crazy. I think that same time, <clears throat> uh, I was in Brownsburg at the time and we had, uh, we actually had to call to, called everybody, ran the tornado siren and called everybody into the shelter areas yeah. and stuff because it... We had one that I think kind of skipped through town, the northwest side of town at that time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I remember that. I was I was uh, at my former employer at the time. No, and I I think we do have guardian angels. I know we touched on it a week or two ago. Yeah, I think that's kind of it's funny. <laughs> so here's how this worked: like we've been saying that. Oh, that's an episode. So I'll go yeah. in after the fact when I re-listen to the episode and I'll write down all the yeah. things, and then we figure out what we're going to cover. But this was one we wanted to talk. I I think maybe this is more me than you, but I no. Know. And it's I, either way, I find it interesting because you know it's it's a fact of life. I mean, I shouldn't say a fact of life. It's it's a fact of spiritual life that we do have. Um, things, angels or whatever you want to call them, watching us. Yeah. So this is the this is probably the main verse that I, that I kind of had picked out for the day because I think it's interesting the connotation here in the context surrounding um this exchange because it's Jesus that says this uh, is specifically directed towards the children. Yeah, but it leaves you with the impression of. I don't know why they, why this would stop. Yeah. And it's found in Matthew uh, chapter 18. And so um, we kind of got into this verse before, but we didn't get into this part of it necessarily. We just kind of, I think we kind of mentioned it and went on. We did because we were more focused on the beginning part of it, um, which is the, I think this came up when we were talking about the, uh, the eternal fire episode yeah. when we we're talking about annihilationism and it, I'll kind of rewind a little bit that picks up back in, in verse eight. Um, cause Jesus had pulled the, to give you the context, Jesus had pulled the children close to him and he's kind of, you know, teaching the disciples this about kind of like through the children, but he's really talking about sin in general. And he says, so if your hand or foot becomes a snare for you, cut it off and throw it away. Better you should be maimed or crippled and obtain eternal life than keep both hands and feet and be thrown into everlasting fire, which is where we got into with yeah. the eternal fire and uh, annihilationism. And if your eye is a snare for you, gouge it out and fling it away. Better you should be one-eyed and obtain eternal life than keep both eyes and be thrown into the fire of Gehenom, which we discussed what that was in detail. See that you never despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven are continually seeing the face of my Father in heaven. Yeah. So we can clearly see there that Christ is saying that they have angels, at least. It says it's multiple. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, too, it's kind of funny as I was thinking about this episode this week. It's kind of a fascinating thing to get into because it kind of takes us a little bit, in some ways, full circle back to where we started all this with, with Enoch. It always yeah. comes back to Enoch 
Because one of the things you can read in Scripture, and one of the things that is exceptionally clear when you read the book of Enoch, is angels are not just cookie cutter. Yeah. Like, they have different jobs. Yeah. And they have different different classifications, if you will. And some are more messenger angels, and some are more protecting angels. And when you go back to the book of Enoch, the angels in that particular instance are called... Watchers. Watchers. Which clearly would state, and their whole intended purpose when you read the story, is to come down and help guide us and watch over us and help kind of shepherd us. Guardian angel. Yeah. Right? But they didn't do that. But they left their purview, right? Which it says in the Bible, and were punished for it because yeah. they decided to commit the crimes that you see in Genesis 6-4. Yeah. And... So it's like, we've talked about this before on the show, and I think anything that we have that we talk about, whether it's like minotaurs or centaurs or any kind of mythical creature, I think it existed at one point. Yeah. That's where that comes from. Yeah. And then we have instances like this or or like that where we have these mythical creatures, and I think it it was a real thing at one point. Yeah. And it's either been done away with um. Or in the case of the angels, still continues to go on till to this day. Yeah. Um, going with the. Um... We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Foilers. Ben and I need your support as we continue to work to grow it for God and increase the amount of listeners to the podcast. Here is what you can do to help. Head on over to our website, thetfhc.com, to take advantage of our conspiracy sale. All of our t-shirts are 20% off until the end of May. Also, we are excited to announce the foil has gone digital. That's right. From this point forward, you can now listen or watch every episode of the Tinfoil Hat Club podcast on YouTube, Rumble, or our website, thetfhc.com forward slash video. If you have questions after watching or want to reach out to us, be sure to send us an email, thedudes at thetfhc.com. Feeling charitable and want to give to the cause? Consider donating using our Cash App link, which can be found on our website. Last, come and be a part of the TFHC family on Facebook. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Rumble. And be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share with everyone you think would enjoy the podcast. Thanks to each of you for your love and support. Now, back to the show. Guardian Angel. One of the, uh, I think it's uh, third or third Corinthians, because there is more than two Corinthians. Uh, no. Paul is talking about um, when he goes to the third heaven and it, he just actually describes it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the the angel that took him there says, look at, uh, look at the body, kiss it so you remember it. And he's the angel that goes and talks to God at night about you or about Paul. So they would have put Paul's guardian angel. Really? I'm going to try to pull this up while we're talking here. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. We've referenced that before on the show as well. And what we're really talking about there is, because people don't understand what he means when he says third heaven. And that's where we've kind of gotten into things before too on previous shows and explaining how the afterlife works. 
And, uh, and that to me is such an important thing. I've, I've harped on that for a while now yeah. um, because people just don't understand how that works. So when you explain it to them, what the Bible actually says, their heads explode because that's an area where we failed drastically and massively in the church. But I'll read that scripture for you because uh, I got it pulled up and it's actually 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're again reading from the CJB, which is complete Jewish Bible, uh, which we, we recommend on the show. Um, and it says this, I have to boast, there's nothing to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in union with the Messiah who 14 years ago was snatched up to the third heaven. Whether he was in the body or outside the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. God knows, was snatched into Gan Eden and heard things that cannot be put into words things unlawful for human being to utter about such a man. I will boast, but about myself, I will not boast except in regard to my own weakness. If I did not want to boast, I would not be foolish or I would not. Yeah. I would not be foolish because I would be speaking the truth, but because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, I refrain so that no one will think more of me than what my words or deeds may warrant. So I think he's actually talking about himself here. So we had an out of body experience. Yeah, is really what you're what you're reading here. At least that's definitely what comes off the page to us. Therefore, to keep me from becoming overly proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from the adversary, to pound away at me, so that I would not grow conceited. Three times I begged the Lord to take this thing away from me, but He told me, "My grace is enough for you, for my power is brought to perfection in weakness." Therefore, I'm very happy to boast about my weakness, in order that the Messiah's power will rest upon me. Yes, I'm well pleased with the weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties endured on the behalf of the Messiah, for it is when I am weak that I am strong. And it must go on here to talk about, he must get back into it at some point? No, no this is book that's not canon. Oh, 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 oh. They're like 3 Corinthians? Yes. I've heard actually, about this. Actually, 2 Corinthians is 3 Corinthians. Really? Yes, it would be the second. Corinthians. I have heard about this, but uh, I have not looked into it. Yeah. So there was a book to the Corinthians that was just deemed a uh, no bueno, huh? Too crazy, probably. <laughs> or they probably didn't have enough of the, the text or something. Didn't fit the narrative. Yeah. I'll have to dig into that one. Maybe we'll do a show on My dad's it. even mentioned it in church, like it from the pulpit. Really? Yeah. Like, Good, the- Good job, Larry. <laughs> High five. Your dad gets in all kinds of stuff from the pulpit that most pastors won't talk about. Yeah, I know. And I was like trying to look into the book of Baruch too today mm-hmm. because it gives a lot of mention to guardian angels and things, but I didn't want to buy a book. <laughs> <laughs> you can probably find a PDF most of that stuff. Yeah. And I was just like... I've got uh, it upstairs, I do believe. I think it's one of the um, apocryphal books. Yeah, it's a good book. Mm, I haven't read that one yet, I don't think. They say I, I have it, but I didn't know where it was. So I was like, oh, I could probably just download it like I download everything else. But no, it wasn't there, isn't it? So, yeah, that's that's kind of the first uh, or the first thing that popped in my mind. But that is not the first reference in Scripture to any kind of angel. I mean, we see a lot of of angelic uh, instances in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And used to varying degrees. Yes. Uh, And then you get into the extra biblical text and you see even more where they have been used to varying degrees. Yeah. Yeah. which one of the most interesting to me is actually where it discusses it 
as an angel in the Bible, I do believe, but it depends on what translation you read, because in other translations, it refers to the person not as an angel, but as um, the slaughterer. You oh, know where I'm going, yeah. don't you? The angel of death, yeah, uh, which is what we see during the Passover uh, in, from Egypt, the exodus from Egypt. Yeah. So they're supposed to go mark their door frames with the blood of the lamb, and then the angel of death will pass through and kill all the firstborn of Egypt. Yeah. This was like the last straw before Pharaoh decides he's going to let the the uh, Israelites go and release them from captivity. But when you read our CJB, it does not say anything about an angel. It says the slaughterer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, the interesting thing <clears throat> is, too, when you get into the extra biblical text and you get into the book of Jubilee specifically, it gives the slaughterer a name. And the name is the Prince Mastima, yeah, which is probably a whole other show into itself again. Um, so it's just interesting because what you see through this when you start digging into it is there is this whole hierarchy structure when it comes to the spiritual realm yeah. and angels and specifically demons. But then you get entities that we wouldn't think would necessarily fit into the two. Yeah. Because I do not believe, matter of fact, it's very clear in Jubilees that uh, the Prince Mastima is not an, the angel of death. I don't think he's an angel at all. Or is he? I don't know. That's that's the million dollar question. But he's definitely not a demon. No. Because you have to, that's another failure of the church because the church has no idea what a demon is. Yeah. You know, and, and you can, when you understand the backstory to this stuff, and again, you read you read some of these things, you have a much better understanding when you read scripture of when translation is not good. Yeah. And I think it's in Revelation where it says, the, in a lot of the translations, the angel and his demons will be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not good translation because, no. or uh, yeah, because Satan does not have, he doesn't, they're not his demons. No, I, when we were talking upstairs, um, one thing I just, I just remembered from one of the conversations about what uh, Michael Heiser said was like in the New Testament, it's unclean spirit. That is a demon. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so when you read an unclean spirit, it's a demon because yeah. there's no place for them. No, and that's exactly what their punishment was as clearly outlined. Um, I think in the book of, of Jubilees, it outlines, because um, the I think it's a combo pack between Enoch and Jubilees. I forget which one says what. All the, uh, the giants. The Nephilim. It's their spirit, their yes, souls. Yes, that's the, their punishment. It's the... Um, they're the demons that yeah. roam. Yeah, and they have they have lost their thing that they cherish the most, which was their their giant their yeah. heroic stature, right? Yeah. This giant stature that made them, you know, rulers of all because of their size and their strength and their power. Mm. And they are now these Maybe that's why disembodied spirits. Maybe that's why they like crossbred so they could inhabit them. Oh, that's true. Could be a good point. You know? What dinosaurs? Mm. Mm. Dinosaurs, yes. Dragons, dragons. Yep. I think that's something. We had something. Yeah. Um. What about? Well, we could bring it up. What about if we create like this AI robot and let them inhabit that? Would it? Yeah. Like, where does it get? It seems like they have to. Uh, they have to in, in, inhabit something that has a soul. Yeah. Because it's clear it says that animals have souls yeah. in the Bible. Oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, anybody that's stared into the eyes of an animal knows it has a soul. Yeah. Like if you have a pet, you can look in their Snakes eyes. Snakes don't have souls, though. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Somebody, we were talking to a friend of ours uh, who is a, um, he's the one that I will call if things ever really hit the fan and we need to live off the land. Yeah. He's the first one I'm calling. And uh, he has done all kinds of stuff, raised animals, slaughtered animals the whole night. And he says, man, it's hard to kill a pig. You can't look it in the eyes because it, it's very intelligent. Yeah. And he says, you can see the pigs working out what, what's going on here. Yeah. And he says, you kind of have to come around behind them and yeah. Yeah, do the deed. I used to work at a, um, the deed would be slitting its throat just to clarify, but <laughs> used to work at a, um, slaughterhouse. Well, it was a pro- processing pro- facility. Yes. And so they'd already been killed. No. Well, we did the killing there too. Okay. Yep. And so my oldest son, he worked on the kill floor for a while till he looked in the eyes of a cow. I remember you saying saying this. And he said he was done. And that's one thing they said. They said, don't look in the eyes. He did, and he was just done. Because mm-hmm. you could see the life. Yeah. That you're that you're just he he never taking. did he never did it. He just helped process them from that point. But, yeah, and that's so rough, you know, like clearly they're here for that purpose. Yeah. You know, they're here to be they're here to be, they're under our purview. They're here to be food. They're here to work, you know, and they're, but they do have souls. And just think there's angels in charge of them. Yeah. Because, because any, anything that has life. Yes. And there's angels in charge of it. And that's why that, we've had this conversation where I it's like, I couldn't, I, I don't think, I don't think I could kill anything because angels have charge of you. Here's a good, here's an interesting question. This is, this is just, you know, us getting off into the weeds as we do. But, um, do you think prior to the fall, do you think that they would have harvested animals? So slaughtered animals and and eaten them. Cause otherwise what's their, what's their purpose? I don't think so because God, this is, I think God created all this stuff for Adam. Yes. So everything God created was pretty much for Adam to give him some kind of purpose. Fel- yeah. Fellowship or whatever until he was like, wait a second. He has nobody like himself. He had all these other animals that he named. So I know what I'll do. No suitable helper. Yeah. I always like to think of that. Like, I think we typically, like, marital people always think of that. <laughs> the women are always like, yeah, you boys need a helper. <laughs> but that's not uh, what that means, though. I know, but it's fun to you know, I know. Way. And a lot of people think that if it is no, it's like, you were to, I mean, to do it together, you know? Yeah. And so God created all these animals for Adam, for us. Yeah. And I don't think Adam ever thought about eating them. I don't know. Until God, because you can't have death before sin. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's so so hard. This, to that's say. just me. You know, that's because yeah, you, you you get into and this is so hard to to suss out because it's like we look at everything through our lens yeah. today, and which is the decay lens, right? Yeah. The sin, the post sin lens, and it's like okay, well, when the animals get to a certain point, you know, you're gonna have to control the population somehow. I would think. And they, and they said they uh, after the flood, he shut their mouths. Um, well, I, I think the garden 
After the garden incident. Well, I think in Jubilees, it said after the flood, he shut their mouths. Is that what it was? And put Because the they feet, could talk. Yeah, they could talk. Now, that's some people thinking, what? Yeah. yeah I know, but, you know, now, look, same I, people like it. It's so funny to me, too. You know the other, other one? And I've heard the guys on Blurry Creatures talk about this, too, which is so funny. I agree. And even me, I still get like, man, really? Like the height of some of the giants. Yeah. You know, because it says in... in like three... 4,000 feet Jubilees tall. Jubilees and Enoch, that they're, they're, yeah, they're like multiple hundred, if not thousand feet tall. Yeah. And people are like, come on, nobody's that tall, nothing's that tall. And I'm like, man, how do we know? Yeah. Like, how do we know? Like, it, I know what we see after the flood, and they're nowhere near that size, but I don't think you can apply what we saw after the flood to before the flood. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but people get hung up on that stuff. Yeah. You know, but they're willing to believe that the entire earth got flooded and, you know, all this other crazy stuff. And it makes sense why God would now, I guess, to defend that. I know we're kind of getting off the weeds a little bit, but to defend that, like, why would God need to flood the earth past the tops of the mountains? Yeah. 20, 20 feet beyond the tallest point of any mountain. Why would you yeah. need to do that? Yeah. Well, if you're going to drown some, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to drown some brothers that are a couple thousand feet tall, you're going to need a lot of water. Yeah. Right, you will. So it's just kind of fascinating, and and um, and that's why all these chimerical creatures, yeah, they don't have uh, they don't have souls. Yeah, you know, and even like you know, God's telling you to go and wipe everybody out. No yeah. souls. Yeah, and there's no guardian angels over them. You know. <laughs> No, you're not protected. You're not protected if you're no. not part of God's creation. Now, would that... You're fair game. How about today when they create something? You know, I think today, and I'm going to get really controversial here because I've seen it firsthand. I've stared in the eyes of it. We have talked about what I call the the golden, the psycho, psycho Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And what I mean by that is you have a narcissist that sits at the bronze level. Bronze medal would be narcissist. A sociopath would be a silver medalist, and then a psychopath would be a gold medalist, right? It doesn't get any crazier than a psychopath because they have no conscience whatsoever, right? Yeah. They're not afraid. They have no conscience whatsoever. They just, they're, they're, they have DNA missing, but all three of them have DNA missing. Yeah. And when you stare into the eyes of some of these people, and we've all seen that before, yeah. like we have somebody that's like a mass murderer and then we stare in their eyes and you can just see that. There's nothing. There. There's nothing. It's like, you know, the eyes of the windows to the soul, yeah. right? That comes from somewhere. And you look in their eyes and you could just feel and see the vacancy there. Like there's just nothing there. Like where did that, how did that happen? And where did that come from? Yeah. Like, are they possessed? Is that what happens when you get possessed? Ugh. Or there's, or, there, or is there just nothing there? Yeah. There's no soul. I mean, so... You know, like we, you know, are raised in the church and we're like, everybody can be saved. And I'm like, can you, you're not saving that. Yeah. How are you going to save that person? If there's truly no soul in there to save, you have nothing to save. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, we can pray for them. We can hope that something's in there. And if they're possessed, we can do what we can to try to help them get it out. But I mean, I, I, I've been nose to nose with somebody like that and it was creepy, dude. It was like the way that this person responded. It's not a, it was not a human, like a normal human reaction. Yeah. It was very odd. So. Yeah, it's different dealing with something like that. Yeah, it's very, very strange. But as we go through scripture, you know, kind of taking it back to the to the angelic thing, um, you know, we can see Michael is used in several instances. 
uh, Gabriel, I think, is used. Yeah. Um, and it and you can see that sometimes they're used to deliver messages, and other times they're used to protect. Yeah, like Daniel, um, where it talks about, you know, was it Daniel twenty one? Here I got it here. Um, Daniel ten twenty one. Um, where it says, and this is the ESV, so I'm hopping away from the CJB for a second just because it's easier to get to here. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Yeah. That's an interesting verse. Because you can see in the book of Jubilees, this particular entity, the slaughterer that we refer to in Exodus, is referred to as the prince Mestima. Yeah. So you can see Michael, who is a prince, okay, and who has been given over the nation of Israel as their protector, okay? And then you can see the prince Mestima. So clearly we kind of have a mirrored image yeah. of some kind here going on. I don't know the details of all that and can't get into that in this show necessarily, but maybe another one. And then again in 12, one in Daniel. So Daniel 12 verse one, again, ESV at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Now, obviously, yeah. we're talking about Revelation. Yeah. Uh, all the way back in Daniel, which if you are interested in Revelation, I would recommend you read the book of Daniel because yeah, tied at the hip there. So you can see that's kind of Michael's job. And we see again in Revelation how Michael will be the one that fights Satan yeah. and <clears throat> comes out victorious. We read Matthew 18. And, um, you know, there are other instances throughout the Bible where they are used for different things or they are spoken of in a way where they have jobs. So Hebrews 1, 7 of the angels, he says he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew and also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Um, and that kind of the way that it's used there. And it's kind of a roundabout in this particular. I'm reading from an article actually on got questions, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, and the kind of the lead up to that is um, he chooses to use us and them, meaning us and the angels. Um, in the end, whether or not we have an angel assigned to protect us, we have an even greater assurance from God. We are his children through faith uh, in Christ. He works all things together for good, which is the, what I just read right there in Romans. And Jesus Christ will never leave us or forsake us, which is Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Uh, if we had an omni omniscient, omnipotent, omnipotent, excuse me, all-loving God with us, does he really, does it really matter whether or not there's a finite guardian angel protecting us? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think it does because it, every every leader has to have good followers 
Every king has to have his, you know, his people yeah. doing his bidding. It's also clear a lot of times too, as I've read more extra biblical and biblical text that a lot of things that are, are, um, attributed to God. God was not the one that carried it out. It was actually an angel yeah. that he ordered to carry it out. Yeah. And a good example of that can be like Daniel. Now this one's a little bit more overt because it says clearly who was doing it. And this is where Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, right? Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, oh, king, I king, live forever. My God sent me his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Yeah. So there you go. Always an angel, whether they're... And the thing of it is, like, um, are they creepy looking? Yeah, well, everybody <laughs> freaks out, right? Like yeah. when they see an angel. There's got to be something, right? Yeah. Or it's just the shockiness of like how they're descending or um, there's no presence and then there's suddenly a presence. Beam me down. <laughs> yeah. The other thing too is, you know, we look at it through the 21st century Western yeah. lens, right? Well, if you're looking at it through a, you know, pre-Christ or even just around Christ, you know, Hebrew and you know the backstory of the watchers. Yeah. You get a little twitchy when when, oh, yeah. when angels and stuff show up like oh don't be afraid. It's I'm, yeah. I'm from God. Oh, God. Yeah, or or you know, you see instances where God used some entity to yeah. go th- released some entity to go through and kill all the firstborn in Egypt. Yeah. I mean, I'd be a little worried that, you know, what's going to happen to me? I yeah. mean, that's human nature, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do not be afraid. <laughs> it's like the, it's yeah. anytime an angel shows up. I know. There's a fantastic exchange at the end of the book of Enoch when Enoch is born, or excuse me, when Noah is yeah, born. Yeah. yeah. And he is kind of described almost like an albino. Yeah. And he has these glowing blue eyes. And that lights up the whole room. And his dad was freaking out yeah. because he thought his wife had slept with a watcher. Yeah. And he goes running to. Uh, Methuselah, Lamech goes running. Lamech is Noah's father, and Methuselah is Lamech's father. And then Enoch would be um, Methuselah's father. Yeah. So he goes running to Methuselah, and he's like, "Dad, yeah, <laughs> I think we might have a problem." And he's like, "Go ask Enoch. Go ask Grandpa. <laughs> you know, nope, he's it's okay. Am I am I in trouble?" And he's like, "No, no, no, he's good." Yeah, yeah, that's a cool. Kind of a cool thing but you can see like why they would be freaking out man yeah like because i think it even talks about it in there like did you did you fornicate with a watcher yeah is that what i got going on here yeah so kind of a crazy story and i think even moses had had like a look about him as well i i do recall that but i don't remember where that comes from was it i don't remember if that's extra biblical or biblical i can't remember i don't know you know um interesting Interesting question. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, we're, get, we're getting off into the weeds, I guess. But it was a it was an interesting observation someone made that I had never thought of um, when it talked about the transfiguration um, that happens. Christ has Christ is in Caesarea Philippi, more than likely up on Mount Hermon, and he takes. Uh, was it Peter and John? Peter, Peter James, James and John. And John. Yeah. Peter, James and John up with him and he is transfigured. He glows white, but he also has, 
Moses and Elijah yeah. come down. Now, the interesting thing is, in that particular instance, Elijah makes sense, but Moses does not from what we have in the Bible. Yeah. Because based on everything you read in the Bible, Moses should technically be in Sheol. Yeah. And we are never... There's an interesting passage in Jude... Yeah. Where it talks about there's an exchange. The assumption of Moses. Yes. Between Michael and Lucifer. Yes, which is a book we do not have anymore. But there's an interesting exchange in Jude that is from that book where he references... They're arguing, yeah. uh, Michael and Satan are arguing over what to do with Moses's body. And yeah, I was just reading that. Were you? Yeah. How funny how we come full circle. And it was, um, but Michael never did charge him. He did no. not bring one word. He didn't. It says he didn't even dare. No. That's an interesting exchange. You think it could maybe instead of Moses, Enoch? I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, that, that actually came down? Yeah. No, I would say it was Moses. I don't think the Bible would switch through that one. I, I think the reason for that is because I think Enoch had already been given a very clear task yeah. and he was, in, he was doing it. The way that it reads to me, I think pretty clearly between um, Enoch and Jubilees, Enoch's responsibility became that he is known as Enoch the scribe and yeah. he was actually placed back into the garden and he is actually recording the sins of man. And he is recording. He's the one that's recording the book of life. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But I just had to throw that Yeah, out. no, no, no. It's it's kind of a fascinating thing. But the other thing, too, is um, <laughs> we got talking about this the other night. And it was kind of fun because it's like, um, you know, the other question was, well, how did they know who it was? I think they just knew. Yeah. I mean, you could say that, too. Like, I went a joke, a joke route with it. We're like, you know, Peter gets up and he's like, hey, Jesus, do you want me to prepare... Do you want to prepare it for Moses and Elijah? You yeah. Know, kind of like yeah, questioning. Yeah. You know, like you go to a party and you're not sure who those people are, but you think you do. Yeah. And you're like, hey, is that Steve and Betty? Yeah. No. <laughs> and um, yeah, nobody knows where Moses was buried. No. Only God knows. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it seems to me maybe we have a third entity that never, never touched Sheol. Yeah, you know, it could have, I mean, he, he was God's best friend. I mean, yeah. Who else other than David? I mean, who else? I mean, he walked. The only other one would be Abraham. He walked with God as you do with a friend. That's what That was Moses. And I would say those two, their relationship that they had was friends. They fought with each other. They got mad at each other. I mean. Moses, oh, God and Moses. Uh, God and Moses. Yes. Yeah, God was even going to kill him at one point. Yeah. Early on. Yeah. And then, you know, how you, you're with somebody that long. You you have some kind of relationship that you, I'm just like. No, it's true. Thinking like, of all the things that. Well, it's just kind of like what we got into last week, which is, you know, the believing versus trusting. Yeah. You know, you can have. Uh, you can believe all kinds of stuff, but trusting is another level. That's how you develop a good relationship with somebody. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, you got to think that this, this person was put in charge of freeing his people, right? And yeah. and had to be, um, and was in charge after that, right? Like, you're in charge. You're, you're the head honcho, man, in charge of everything. And is literally talking. Who else gets talked to directly? Yeah. How many people? 
And I think um, when I was going, instead of the promised land, God just went ahead and took him home. Moses. Hey, it's when you read that, that's, that's what it sounds like to me. I'd have to go back and reread it, but you clearly are being shown something in the event of the transfiguration that I don't think it sailed past me all this time. Yeah. Never even thought of it. Cause Elijah makes sense. We clearly can see he's taken up to heaven on a chariot. Bang. He skips over the deal. And then you, you know, you can read the story of Enoch. Clearly he's taken. And whether you even read the book of Enoch or not, you can go into Genesis and you can go back into Hebrews. And it clearly tells you in both places, he did not die. He was taken Jude, by the Jude. Lord. Jude mentions it because it was it at the beginning. Um, the only thing that he says is Enoch testified. The Enoch the seventh from Adam testified about these people long ago when he said, okay. and then he quotes it word for word. He doesn't necessarily get into the uh, the life cycle thing aspect of it. I thought maybe he said, you know, I'm so used to Genesis uh, taken. <laughs> Yeah, hey, poof, you got taken. But yeah. then again, it repeats that in, uh, what was it, Hebrews 10, I think. The Hebrew, Hall of Faith. Hall of Faith, you know, where it's talking about all these people. And and um, he says he was just taken, man. He just, he'd never tasted death. He was taken. The other thing, too, is when you read those extra biblical texts, he's being phased in and out. Yeah. You know, it's clear in Jubilees anyways that he's being phased in and out. But it's, you know, we got side sidetracked tangent there, but... You know, when you get into the spiritual realm, crazy things happen. Yeah. So, you know, I remember too, and I think you read this in in um, Exodus, I do believe, and then also I know it's in some of the extra biblical texts, I think Jubilees again, because just for those of you who have not read Jubilees, it, it does touch upon the fall, the giants, the watchers. It does touch upon that. It gives a little bit more insight. But it doesn't focus on that specifically. It it mainly is focusing on things that happened after the flood. Yeah. And to give you a little backstory, this is actually, um, this book was supposedly dictated to Moses by, at God's command, through an angel. I don't recall the angel. I don't think it says what angel either. So the angel is rec- recounting for Moses to record um, creation and everything that kind of led up to the time that they're in. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of fascinating. Yeah. I'll have to go back and read, reread some of the things about Moses and what happened to him when he died. But, you know, I'm like, you know, he was on the, he's on the mountain 40 days. Oh yeah. (laughs) I couldn't make it 40 days, man. That always kills me. (laughs) <laughs> these people like here, these people just watch God swallow the entire Egyptian army in the yeah. Red Sea and everything and everything that got them out of there. And, and they couldn't make it 40 days while he's on the mountain before they started making idols. So we've touched, we've touched on that one before, but yeah, I know it's that's crazy. human nature. Yeah. We fail every day. <laughs> We're really good at it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, um, <clears throat> With the, I was looking a little bit today at the assumption of Moses as well, and they, and it got into a little bit of why, um, what Lucifer was saying about M- Moses. It was like his past sin of killing the Egyptian. Oh, so from the murder. Yes, that's why he he was like, well, he's murderer. He's he can't get in. Ah. you know. Mm. So interesting. Yeah, and and. and Funny that he's always using like old stuff, nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> it 
sounds like a really hurtful relationship. Always dredging up the past. I know. Just couldn't let it go. I know. And that's that's what Satan does. That's what he does, man. He, he knows nothing of the future. He only can drug it up the past. Yeah. I, I know we went way off of what yeah, we were to... Not really, but I mean, because this is all part of the spiritual realm, yeah. you know, and all part of the spiritual story. And that's what people miss, you know, like we get so focused on the things of the t- of today and what's going on around us, but we miss the spiritual stuff that's going on around us. Yeah. That uh, the the earthly war and the things that you see and the corruption you see and the evil you see, that is just the end result of the spiritual battle that's happening behind that. Yeah. Right. But I remember when I was going with that, I, I, my brain, I got a bad case of adult ADD for a quick second and got <laughs> sidetracked, but I remember it talking about, and this is where I was going with the Moses thing and the Jubilees and everything, is it clearly states both in the Bible, I believe, and in Jubilees, how the promised land, God said that he would send his angel ahead to prepare the way. Yeah. Right? What does that mean? I think he was killing people off. <laughs> yeah, killing a lot of the leftover giants. Well, not just that, but who do you think killed everybody off when... Moses came down from Mount Sinai in uh, 40 days and they had been cooking calves and yeah. stuff in the oven. Yeah. How many people die? How many people did he kill? A couple, 10,000, 10, 20,000? Something crazy. A, a lot of people. Yeah. And I guarantee you that God had an angel go do that. Yeah. Go uh, kill him. Because one of the... Um, it's probably the angel he was just talking to. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> He's like, hang on, I'll be back in a minute. Like, Dude, when I, I'm telling you this, I'm having a good time recalling the history here, but when I leave with you, I'm going to have to kill a whole lot of your guys. Yeah. Like, um, one other thing I never noticed, all of the ites, that, you know, there was... Amorites, them, Edomites, uh, the, talking to these people. Yeah, uh, uh, the, they even say the Raphaim. Yeah. You know, and that, that was like the big... Yep. You know. Nephilim. Yeah. Yeah. Giant people. Yeah, bad. Amorite is important. I haven't I haven't gotten fully into that, but it seems like to me the second in, second incursion or where we start having um, giants again after the flood seems to revolve somehow around the Amorites. Yeah, there's some interesting wording in the Bible about them not coming to their full sin yet, and then there's even more stuff in the extra biblical text about how bad they were and just how. Um, much they had debased themselves. I think Jubilees is the one that says that they had debased themselves more than anyone ever. Yeah. Um, or even ever will something like that. That's crazy. That's <laughs> saying some stuff considering what we had going on before the flood. Yeah. And God is saying that about these people. What do you think? Um, how bad? The, I mean, do you think it was just open? Like pre-flood? Yeah. How bad did it get? Yeah. I think it's hard for us to fathom. Um, You know, one of the things that always sticks with me is watching some of the the archaeological stuff like that I've recommended on the show a few times. There's a place in Turkey. um, There's so many places in Turkey. Is it the one with all the caves? The underground, the whole like underground city. Yeah. Darren Q U, I think is the name of the place. So go look up Darren Q U. And it is like this multi story underground cave system that could hold like how many thousand people? Yeah. Why would you make that? Why would you make that? The only thing that I can come back to is you are being hunted. Yeah. And you made this 
to stay alive because yeah. they have ventilation and everything in this thing, you know, and it was made, they don't know how many thousand years ago, but they suspect that it's 10,000 years ago somewhere in that neighborhood. So we're talking pre-flood. And I think that the only reason that that came to me and I could be completely wrong. The only thing that comes to mind of why you would make something like that is because it was not safe for you to be on the surface. Yeah. And I think by that particular time that we had, I mean, Look at what we know. It seems to me you live your life like a candle in the wind. No, <laughs> no. it seems to me that pre-flood, um, we know we had giants. We know that they had um, offspring. So you have the watchers who have the Nephilim and the Nephilim start having offspring. And then I think you get into a power struggle between the Nephilim, the Elo, and the angels, the yeah. watchers. The watchers get locked up, and then the punishment is, well, your kids and your grandkids are going to kill each other off. And so the Elo and and the Nephilim start having out with each other, and I think that they consumed, says that they consumed man, drank their blood, um, corrupted all flesh, corrupted all, the, all of the animals. I think we created chimerical creatures, and I think some of those creatures that we decided to create or we, um, we either had around and subjugated them or we decided to, I think we created them. Yeah. Uh, we're dinosaurs. Okay, here's. I think we created, I think they created dinosaurs. because They're getting ready to do that again. And they said within <sighs> five years. Somebody watched Jurassic Park and went, we can do that. <laughs> Let's do it. Here's, okay, ap- after the flood. Um, What I find interesting, most things like the Sahara or the Great Barrier Reefs, right around four, 44 to 4,000 years old. Now, I'm just just saying, if that is how close we are to the flood, okay, anything before the flood, time-wise, has some age to it. Yeah. Now... Could our calendars be off? <laughs> you mean like a long time? Yeah. I think so. I think so. See, now, the other thing, too, is I think when we start doing this carbon dating and all this, oh, I, I, think th- th- I think you're just, you're, you're, yeah. you're trying to do something that is flawed. You're like, oh, that, it's this time because that was alive. Yeah, well, you, why is it that time? Well, because that was alive. Yeah. I think they've, they've blown a lot of holes in carbon dating. Yeah. Um, you know, like the the Shroud of Turin is a yeah. example of, well, that's kind of not a good example because I think they did pull samples from an area that had been handled all the time. Yeah. So, yes, you're going to have more modern DNA on there. But I think when you get into that, the other thing, too, is we've touched upon before, at least from my standpoint, you can see a clear manipulation of time in the creation story. That's going to throw everything off. Sorry, I threw that no, in. No, that's there. okay because, you know, it's it's an interesting interesting thing because... I angels were created for a specific purpose, oh, yeah. right? I mean, very clearly stated that they were created for a specific purpose, especially like Jubilees is great for this because it does talk about much more detail in creation in some instances oh, yeah. and how the angels were created on day one. Yeah. Um, I believe Christ existed prior to the creation of the earth. Oh, I do too. Uh, I think he was the firstborn. It says it in the Bible, the firstborn among creation. Um, I do not uh, subscribe to the regular 
normally accepted taught thing in church of, I guess it would be Trinitarianism to some degree where they're all singular entities. I do not, uh, that does not uh, match up with biblical. Oh, come on. The way the Bible reads. I know heretic burn me at the stake. That's another show we're going to do. We've already talked about that one. That's one I brought up the other day. Um, I've kind of looked into that too. Have you? Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't read that way. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody's ever been explaining to me in any way where it makes any sense whatsoever. See, I've I, always always taught that they were a singular entity. I, I this is how I would tell it to kids. This is how. Okay, you have ice, you have water, and then you have vapor. It's all the same thing, but it's different. Yeah, it's it's of the same it's of the same makeup. But it's different. Yes, you know, I was always taught that literally they are they are one being. I think the normal church teaching in the Trinity is that they are one being, and you know how one being like I can be a father and a husband and a son at the same time. Yeah, and I'm like, but I'm still just one person. Yeah, right. But I can be these three things, and that's how it was always taught to me. And I'm like. The thing I always had a problem with is like the language, but I know that's like, we'll make an episode of that, but yeah, we won't get into that. We won't get too much into it today. We've already doing enough to rock the boat. (laughs) We'll rock that boat another day. Uh, Go ahead. If you want to throw it. No, I'm going to hold that one back. Hold that one back. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'll hold it back. Yeah. But when you go read like Jubilees, you can see the angels were created on day one and they, and it talks about all the different kinds of angels and they're over all different variations in nature. Kind of like you alluded to, I think a little bit when we first started our conversation, and, um, you know, you can see that these the, very clearly that these angels have different jobs. Yeah. You know, you have angels that are in charge of war. You yep. have angels that are in like Michael. Michael's clearly. And, and, and you have different um, even names for some of them. Like you have archangels versus yeah. just a regular angel. And then you have cherubs and, and seraphim. Yeah. That, see, now cherubim and seraphim to me are not angels. Those are different beings. The way it reads to me. I'm just, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm you're just, saying in God's creation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have the living creatures, the beasts and everything. Yeah. So that's. It's like we, on a spiritual level, we have no idea what everything does. Yeah. You can only really read and, and try to deduce as much as you can through the Bible. And it does. And I did this a little bit not too long ago um, when I was, when I was teaching. Um Cherubim are specifically designed to um, be guardians of like God's throne in some way. Seraphim are designed to announce God's presence and to claim his glory. And then angels are kind of like hands and feet, you know, the, the doers. And, you know, you can see like in Genesis where it talks about Noah this is a good example of when you get into the extra biblical text versus Genesis. And it, it, this is a very minor thing. People don't need to get caught up in this because it's like potato, potato. You know, it's like if I'm a mob boss and I order someone to kill you, Ben, who's really responsible for the killing? The mob boss. Right. I'm like, it was on my command, right? So I'm just as much as in, 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 you know, in the mix as the person that actually carried it out. That's a horrible analogy to compare to God, but it's kind of the same concept is why I went there. But in the account of the flood, when Noah goes into the ark, in Genesis it says, and God shut him in. In Jubilees, it does not say that. It says the angels are the ones that sealed him in. 
Well, the angels did that on God's command, so yeah. we can just attribute it to God. And the angels helped him build the ark. And it does appear that that's the case, which is not stated in Genesis, yeah. but it is stated in Jubilees, which makes a whole lot more sense. Come on. A guy and his... Uh, yeah, Sorry. right. His, his three kids. No wonder it took him 120 years to build it. <laughs> See, now I don't, I don't, I don't think. I'm I don't just, think it that, took that long. I don't either. I'm just saying that's what people say. Yeah, I don't know where they get that from. Well, I, well, yeah, I know where yeah. they get that. They're getting that from the verse where it says, "I won't contend with man forever; his days will be numbered to 120." I think that that's clearly stating that going in the future, mankind will not live more than 120 years. Which you look now, and we've got people that are living right around that time frame, but it's lessening. Yeah. You know. And we're not, we don't live as long anymore. Yeah. So that's a good indicator too, to me that we're near the end. Yeah. Is because we've got people that don't live that long. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's the angels that are actually the ones doing, well, just like good example too, um, which is, this one's crazy train where God and two angels come down to Abraham. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah (laughs) i love that whole exchange it's so like i was listening to that earlier this week you're talking about like he's making the deal of like if i can find 500 people yeah if i can find 50 people what if i find five people god's like yeah go ahead i'll do it i'll spare them i'll spare them all we're talking about sodom and gomorrah yeah and uh eventually he's like well if i find one you find one or two is it two i forget what it is it's like he negotiates i think it was five was it five five. and he couldn't even find five yeah so it's like you better get a lot out of there because i'm killing everybody and then the two angels that are with God, because God, it's God. Yeah. Like having this conversation with Abraham and two angels like on the earth and he invites him in and he's like, honey, go make cookies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, let's take care of our guests. And then the angels literally walk from there down into Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And the whole mission is to get them out. Yeah. Because it's God's going to destroy it. I listened at first of December. I listened to Jasher and it goes through what, how bad Sodom was. Oh boy. I can only imagine. It was, I know take Jasher what it is, but as a historical book and what they would do to people, Mm -hmm. it's awful. I mean, Mm -hmm. they would stretch people just to stretch them. If if you were found in the street at night, they would stretch you. Hmm. So you like come apart? Yeah. Mm. They just did that for fun. And you weren't allowed to give anybody food or anything. You were, you were supposed to take from them Mm. and they would just let people die. Yeah. And it's, it's more, I think it's more than, I mean, it was just wicked. I mean, you just, it's more than sexual sin. It was just a whole nine. It's, it's everything. They had no uh, care for anyone's life. Yeah. Kind of like today. Pretty much. It's not open season on the streets, but man, it's not far away from it, is it? No, I'm I'm sure some places there are. Yeah, I'm sure there probably are. I can't, and that's the thing Adrian and I talk about all the time. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine what God sees every day. I know what I see just on the small little snippet of what I'm allowed to see and what my brain can handle. And I'm like, I can't even imagine what God sees every day. And that's why he gives you guardian angels. Man, I tell you what, it's got to break his heart. It's got to break the angels' hearts, too. They have yeah. emotions. I know they clearly, do. yeah, you know, and like you can clearly see that in the Book of Enoch, yeah. where like <laughs> Michael, dude. Michael and Gabriel and a couple <laughs> other of them are like, God, please do something. This yeah. is so bad. Like they are, they are crying up to us to and, stop this. And then the punishment he gave to the watchers, they're like, Oh man, yeah, they were scared. Michael yeah. was scared of the punishment. Yeah, man, I think it scared him straight. Yeah, 
I still believe they all have free 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 reign to do whatever they want if they want to sin. Like, y'all want to ride that train? Go right ahead. I think after that they were like, mm, I'm not doing it. I mean, why? I mean, okay, I'm going to bring it up. Some people say they're sealed. Like I had a conversation with your dad earlier. He thinks that they were sealed yeah. after that. Yeah. So I mean, I have to dig into that to see for sure. But I, I, I you think they were sealed? I think they were. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up. I'm just gonna throw this out there. I started watching. I told you this: the movie Noah about the flood and <laughs> oh, about yeah, the yeah, Watchers yeah. and how wrong they got it. <laughs> how terribly wrong they got it. Did they get into the Watchers? Yeah, they did. Right in like the first fifteen minutes. Oh wow, really? Yes. And but then it was they were they were saying that they were there to help us help mankind do everything they were supposed to. And it was pretty much, they said the creator left pretty much. No, oh, okay. Yeah. And the first part I didn't have any problem with. And so he said the creator left because he said, well, we, I'd have to see, they, I'd have to see what you mean by that. Um, he said, we came down and then he cursed us here. Hmm. And so they were like rocks and stuff because they weren't supposed to leave the holy of holies or whatever. They weren't supposed to leave heaven. They could only watch and, Kind of, they said, yeah, okay. and they said, we came down to help you do these things because of all the, of man. They were, oh, I see. Man's problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so. We butchered it. Yeah, they butchered it. That's yeah. just so good. The other way is so much better story. It is. It's I mean, it's way, a horrible story, it's but a, it's, it's more entertaining. More entertaining, more captive. I mean, it's horrible to say that, I guess, in some ways, but it's still more entertaining. But um, just tell the truth, man. The truth is fascinating enough. Yeah, I always say truth is better than fiction. It is. Some nerd gets a has to just. Oh, I'll make this better. I know. Okay, didn't you made it terrible? Yeah, I didn't. Rock even, people. What are you talking about, man? I didn't even finish it. I couldn't finish I it. Know, I can understand now after what you're just telling me. And because they were like, uh, Semyaza was still the leader, so they even got the names right. Yeah, they. It was like, but it was just. So let's pause here. Okay. Let's 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 back this up a little bit. So I always think now it's like what's the more nefarious undertone here that we're trying to do? No, with? I knew, I knew exactly why. What I are they trying, trying to do with this? They're trying to make the angels the, the the bad look like the bad look like the poor poor guy like the poor poor little souls. Yeah, that we were trying to help them. We were and okay. then and then God was removed. Now, typically when you see the when you see a lot of the other societies uh, that have their version of the flood narrative and all of the backstory, that's typically the way it plays. Yeah. Is the angels were here to help and then something happened to them. Kind of. Sometimes it's a little different than that, but. Like um, also in Jasher, it got into the building of the Tower of Babel. And the reason why was they were mad that God flooded the earth and they wanted to kill God for that. Oh, so they're going to like build a tower to heaven and kill him. Come get you. Yeah. Okay. Which <laughs> good luck. Why not? Yeah. If you, if and they were, they were doing it and their dumb brains, they were doing it. Yeah. 8,000 feet tall. Yeah. It's two miles. Yeah. You do them. And you, and you think of that too. That's another word. People go, oh, come on. It couldn't be that big. The base I'm was like, one to 200. Like people couldn't even breathe that. That's the one I had. Um, we had a discussion in the house the other day. A little while ago, people were like, ah, you couldn't even breathe if it was that high. And I'm like, yeah, you can. People climb Everest all the time. Yeah. It's 20-some thousand feet. Yeah. You do it without oxygen. Sherpas do it. Yeah. You can breathe 8,000 feet. No problem. I watched a guy 
on his phone, he went one of those ultralights, yeah. went up to 15,000 feet. Could breathe fine. Yeah, he said it was... It was I mean, it's thinner. It's not easy. He said he was cold. I bet he was. <laughs> I bet he was. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference? And uh, I think, like, uh, I looked it up, like, where they think the Babel was, or, like, where... Um, the Plains of Shinar. I think I actually looked at Babylon. Oh, okay. This where I looked at Babylon was, and it's, like, seven feet above sea level. Yeah. So it's basically sea level. Yeah. So 6,000 feet, no problem. Yeah. I think Mount Everest sits like several thousand feet above sea level, and then you get 20-some thousand, 26,000 or something like that on top of that. Yeah. So 6,000 feet, not a problem. No, it's not. I, I read somewhere, too, like some of the versions. Um, I forget where I got this from, where they deliberately coated the bricks in, in some kind of pitch, too, that would make them waterproof. Probably. I could so see where that. it's like God tried that once, but we're not having that again. Yeah. Good luck. We're going to trick you, God. And what's in Enoch, it said there was one thing built with stone and one built with brick. Um, mo- monuments. Mm, one in case he floods the earth, and then the other one was in case he burns the earth. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't remember that part. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. We're way off in the weeds on this one. Yeah, it's all right. We have fun. I know. We let the discussion go where it goes, but. It all revolves around angels. I mean, look what we're talking about. We're talking about the Watchers anyway, and all this, all this started with angels. I know. I mean, everything. And that's the whole thing that I think for you and I, we have such a passion area around this and where God has brought us together to talk about this stuff. And we're going to do more of that in the future and let all glory be his and not ours. And we just get to be lucky and be the ones on along the way. Which, by the way, I'm going to do a shameless plug right now, Ben. Okay. Here we go. So the shameless plug, which you might have already heard because I'm going to drop mid-rolls in this too. Ben and I are actually doing a whole presentation around the Book of Enoch. It's going to be a presentation uh, for probably about an hour and a half or so. And then we're going to have an open forum kind of town hall. People will be able to ask questions. We are actually going to do that March 23rd. Uh, it's going to start at 6 p.m. And go till 8.30 p.m. Doors will open about a half hour prior to. We are doing that at Ash and Oak, which is actually a wedding venue, believe it or not, over in Avon, Indiana. Yeah. So Ash and Oak, you can actually buy tickets for that on our website, uh, the THC.com, and, or the T, the so TFH, <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> I've been so used to typing it, TFHC.com, so www.thetfhc.com. My goodness, what a salesman am I. <laughs> so www.thetfhc.com. You can go there and you can buy tickets for $25 a piece. We'd love to have you. Yeah, we want to fill the place. We want to fill the place. Um, so all glory be to God. Help us grow for God and spread the word. Because we feel like this is so important to understanding every discussion we have. Come, You can, you can bring it back here. Yeah. And that not because we try to, but because it's so important to understanding our backstory. That is. And I think it's been deliberately removed. Uh, I think it was a huge focal point by the enemy to remove this knowledge, to pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah. And make us see things differently than what they really are. Even devalue Christ's time here. Oh, yeah. In some way. Oh, yeah. You know, and then the people, most people would hear that and they'd be like, oh, how could you say that? I'm like, because it's true. You can see it. Yeah. People try to do it every day. They, they don't understand like what Christ is really doing in some instances. Yeah. And it's so much greater than just what we get taught in church a lot of times. Yeah. You read the book of Jose and you would really understand what Christ was doing. Mm, good call. I'll have to go back and reread that this week. 
Yeah. Strengthen up my old testy. It's uh, you probably old testament. (laughs) Sorry, that came out really wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's. I I want to do a presentation on that as well someday. Oh, okay. I'll have to sharpen up on that one. I mean, people will probably be like, "What are you, Hosea?" Yeah, Hosea. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to walk you through the book of Enoch. We're going to hit the high points. I know for me, for we're going to kind of tag team this and Ben and I are in the process of working on it now, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to work up something. And I know for my part, um, I know some things that I want to cover and how it ties into the Bible uh, very clearly. There's some things that are very clearly um, made very clear that most people, when you read the Bible, you read the passage and you're like, what is it? What is going on here? Yeah. So things that Peter say, um, some things that Jude says. Um, so yeah, it'll help clarify a lot of that. Yeah. And things that are going on that like when Christ is, uh, you know, in Caesarea Philippi, we've talked about what exactly is going on there. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. That's a big, a huge deal. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Um, going back to Tower of Babel, when God goes down to destroy, he has people with him. He does. Well, the wording is basically look at what they're doing. We should stop this from happening. Yes. So they will be like us and they will know, yeah, you know, th- there'll be no stopping them. No. So let's let us go confuse their language. And who was the us? I think it was angels. How many? I don't think it ever says. No. It doesn't say. But, but you could see, though, though, the way that it's described is tens of thousands and multitudes. And yeah. like he's got a lot of angels. It, it's just when I read that, I just think of let's go, boys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, posse up. Yeah. <laughs> or the mob boss putting the jacket on and we're the going, hat. We're going to trick the inside. We're going to we're going to take down a tower. <laughs> You've committed a crime against me. Take it down your tower. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, what, uh, what are you uh, boys building here? You building a tower? Got a permit. <laughs> you got a permit for that tower? Did you go up through us to get it? Yeah, I mean... That's the thing. The angels, I, I, I still think it's crazy that um, there's angels around us. I'm, I'm, I think of a story um, that I heard of a missionary. Um, I forget where it was, but anyway, you probably know the story where um, he's, uh, this like king of whatever this tribe was going to go kill them. And so they go to attack and they were having church at, at the building. I forget where it was. I'm sorry. And they run away. They thought that everybody in the church thought they were dead. Mm-hmm. And so like the next year, the the chief comes and he, he gets saved. And Oh, wow. And so they're like, I don't know. That and he's like, why didn't you uh, attack us? He said, I was too terrified. He goes, you had so many people around your building on the outside. He goes, there was thousands. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny because it, it, it reminds me of that video I showed you upstairs. Yeah. Um, and what the video was, you can go look us up. It's on YouTube. And what you'll need to search is you'll need to search John. <laughs> this is weird. It's going to sound weird. John Mellencamp's Spina Bifida. Yeah. And the reason you need to search that is because it's an interview that Mellencamp gave with uh, one of the morning programs. And when he was born, he had spina bifida. And spina bifida is part of your spine is actually um, out, outside of your body. Um, it didn't develop right in the womb. 
and they could probably do a lot more for it now. But back in the day when he was born in the fifties, you know, you're, you're going to die. It's not, you're not going to make it long. And he was one of three children in Indiana that they operated on. One girl died on the table. Another girl lived to be like 14. I think he said, Yeah. and then he's 60 and obviously perfectly fine. And he met the surgeon, um, that did his surgery. The guy was 97 years old and, um, he was talking to him the whole time and he said the whole conversation was about, you need to find faith, John. And I think that maybe stirred something in him. We'll see what he does with it. Yeah. But the, where this ties into angels is after that, or I guess it, it not after that, he recalled a time in the eighties at the kind of the height of his popularity where he was walking in New York city and this lady saw him and stopped him and said, you have no idea how protected you are. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she said, you have so many angels around you. You have this huge hedge of protection around you and you don't even realize it. And he's just like, what? And he just kind of moves on and, you know, then he starts, I think the whole conversation with the doctor made him think of that. Yeah. And so I think he's wrestling with his faith. He's not known to be the greatest guy, you know, he's, he's an interesting, he's an interesting guy, but he, he will admitted admittedly say to everybody he's hard to hard to live with yeah you know he's he's just not a very you know easy guy to live with and he's had multiple failed relationships and he's kind of a tragic tale when it comes to that stuff but that lady that saw all the angels i just thought that was so curious yeah interesting because i think people have the ability to do that i think yeah. that's a gifting yeah at least it makes sense that it would be a gifting yeah i, I don't i mean i I don't, I, no. I don't, I don't have it. I know. <clears throat> I mean, I just, it's not my gifting. No. But I have a buddy who, I wouldn't say that I would put him in that camp, but I know that he is extremely um, attuned to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's his gifting. I'm like, he is dialed in and he gets very clear messages and instructions uh, and it's so crazy to listen to the stories when he will interact with people and live that out and how freaked out they get because <laughs> he'll be given information yeah. about them and what's going on in their life. And it's like, you need to go s talk to this person and you need to go tell them this. Yeah, exactly. And he will do that. And cause that's intimidating, right? For people that if you get that message from, you know, from the Holy spirit and you think, how am I going to have this conversation with this stranger yeah. and just say this crazy stuff to him? They're going to think I'm a complete whack job. Yeah. But it's amazing. He's like, when I go have these conversations with people, people are like floored. Oh yeah. Because it's like pinpoint what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I like listening to his stories. Pretty awesome. But yeah, he's got the gifting. I don't have it. We all have our own gifts. We do, you know, and I'm perfectly happy with mine that God's given me. I'm thankful that he's given me those gifts and I'm just here to use it for him. I have a, yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah. I, I like to learn new things. I like to tell people I learned what things I've learned. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a gift or if I just like to talk. I, <laughs> well, it's a gift even to though me, brother. I, even though I am a man of few words, I, <laughs> I do like to talk quite a bit. Contrary to popular belief yes. on the show. Yes. I too like to talk, Ben. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, mine's leadership, you know, and, and I have been so thankful and I wish I'd used this before now, but, you know, I think God prepared me and prepares everyone, not just me, but everybody. I think no matter what you've been through in your life, 
every single thing that you have been through in your life, no matter what age you are, is to prepare you for exactly where you are today oh, or yeah. what's coming up in the future. Yeah. You know, God is going to use you um, for his glory if you let him. Yeah. Um, that's the fascinating thing. You know, when you're a John Mellencamp, imagine how powerful you could be for other people. Oh, yeah. You know, if you would just use your gifts for him. Like, obviously, his gifts are very clear to all of us. He's a gifted musician and artist, and he could be using those gifts to reach people for God. But, you know, we get caught up in the world and we use them for ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes it goes well and sometimes it goes really bad. Yeah. You know, and it's just so much more rewarding and fulfilling when you decide you're going to use your gifts for the Lord. Because he'll put you in. It's like, you know, it's like having the world's best agent. Oh, yeah. You know, like he knows like the perfect places to put you. And the perfect people to pair you with and situations to put you in to yeah. use your gifts if you'll just do that and you'll let him do it. So like us. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. I it's still think crazy it's the story, weird, brother. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's a crazy story. But I think we were both looking that we didn't even know we were looking. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like desperately seeking Susans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is crazy, you know. Like uh Yeah, just the whole journey. It's been such an amazing thing. And Watching our families, you know, get closer yeah. and blend together and the church and just everything. And yeah, it's been such a cool thing. And it's, it's not even been a year, dude. I know. It's, it's, an, it's kind of an insane story. I know. It's, it's very, crazy. It's very cool. It's one of those where we, we probably appreciate it now, but we'll appreciate it much more later. Yeah. And it'll be even that, even cooler when we look back, you know, in, in retrospect at the whole, when we know more of the story, you know, like we're kind of living the story right now in some ways. So yeah, it's been been kind of fun. Yeah, it has. But it, it's it's just to show you, you know, like yeah, I think that's another thing too of like for me now that I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm much more in tune with what the Lord wants, not what I want. Uh, I don't worry about death anymore. I don't worry about it at all. I used to worry about it. I don't worry about it at all, you know. And I'm like, whenever, whenever the Lord's done with me, He can take me. Well, hopefully just for a long I, time. Well, hopefully so. I might need to do something about my round friend that resides around my waistline to make that happen. But, you know, other than that, it's like, you know, whatever happens between here and then, I mean, I'm going to do the best I can, but I just know that God's not done yet. Yeah. You know, I can get that clear sense. God's not done yet. Yeah. And like, like I told that kid in the tornado. Yeah. You got me. God's not going to let anything happen to me. <laughs> you, on the other hand, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's like that scene in Braveheart. <laughs> God told me I'm good, but you, not, <laughs> you might be in trouble. I don't know what the kid's doing now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, He's probably still living a life of fear. Hopefully not. Yeah, we should say that. We should say that hopefully he's decided that living a life of fear is not the way to go. And I've never been afraid. I've always kept yeah. a cool head about. Yeah. I would say for the most part, in most instances in my life, I, I will be the same thing as far as keeping myself together. But, you know, there's been times where I've been afraid, no doubt. I mean, you, and you're still going to experience fear. I think that's a, yeah. you know, a common misconception that, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, okay, you Christians never experience fear. Or you shouldn't experience fear. I think even within the Christian circle, like there's teachings that like, well, you shouldn't be afraid. How could you be afraid? You yeah. don't have enough faith. You need to strengthen your faith. And it's like, no, 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 you're misunderstanding what the Bible says. Okay. Here's a, here's a good example of how, you know, how most scary movies, they hear something outside that, you know, and don't go outside. You know, one night I was outside and this was some, some years ago. And there was like some like bobcats or like big cats rumors going around. 
And I'm outside and I hear something really big. And I'm like, oh, man. So I go outside to tell Maria. I was like, hey, there's something. Something's outside. I don't know what it is. And she's like, okay. So we grab the flashlights and the guns. Dang, of, out you go. And out we go. And the kids are like, you're going outside when there's something. You're break- <laughs> don't you watch movies? Yeah, you're breaking all the rules. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm walking around. You know, I'm looking up in the trees and everything. And I think she looks over, and it was a big mastiff walking oh, wow. in our yard. Oh, wow. And I'm like, she's like, okay, I could see how you might think that would be a big cat or something. Yeah, man, it's a big dog. Yeah. Yeah. So we broke all the so rules. So you shot it and then you went back. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. You shot Timmy the Mastiff as he's walking through your yard. But I, I never thought twice about being scared. I just went out and did it. Yeah. Because I, I'll be honest, I had a gun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean, let's face it. That does make you feel more in control. Yeah. It makes you feel more powerful. But now... I would probably still go out, but I don't know if I would go out with a gun. Oh, I would. Absolutely. 100%. Living yeah. here, yes, I would. Where you live, yes, I'd go out with a gun. <laughs> you better go out with a gun here, yeah. yeah. You, might, you might run into something that you'll regret the encounter if you weren't prepared properly. Yeah. 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 But I have, I, there's things I, I'm scared for, but I don't fear, if that makes sense. There's a difference between scared and fear. Fear is like something bad's going to happen. Scared is like, Okay, maybe. I'll, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm. No, I get what you're saying. I think so. There's a, there's a difference between. I would still put it in the camp of fear. I guess for me, if I had to word it, but it's a different kind. Yeah, right. It's like, like the kid you encountered in. Yeah, in the tornado is living in a spirit of extreme fear, and that yeah. probably permeates his life a lot. Not yeah. just during tornado time. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are frozen by that. They live in. I, I, they live in a spirit of fear. Yeah. Right. And that's a very paralyzing place to live. And it it's like handcuffing yourself. Yeah. You're never going to experience life to the fullest if you if you live through the lens of fear. However, we all have things in our life where it's like I'm I'm concerned, you know, like yeah. I'm 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 fearful of what might happen. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh "My gosh, if your wife is hit by a car and she's in critical condition in the hospital, I'm sorry, but I'm a human being. I'm oh, going to be yeah. afraid I'm going to lose my wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. That's not realistic to think, no. oh, you shouldn't have fear. No, no. And I know that's not what you're saying. No. But I know there are people in the church who could potentially look at that and say, well, you shouldn't have fear yeah. in that moment. I'm like, so what you're saying is I should be a robot? Yeah. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want robots. He didn't give us free will and free the ability to free think and just for us to turn around and vacate all that and all of our and emotions. He didn't give us emotions for us to turn around and you know, live life like robots. Okay. Like maybe I am a robot. No, you're not a robot. We, I went to the movies with the kids and Maria and her mom Two, I went with the kids at one time and then Maria and her mom at a different time. They all cried at the end of the movie. <laughs> I had like maybe one tear. If that, whatever, I'm going to take you to go see that new wrestling movie. That's out. I bet you bawled like a baby when it was something that you were more into. And I'm like, that and they were like, didn't you? I was like, yeah, it moved me, but it's not. Yeah, it wasn't something that just was for you. It wasn't deeply touching. Like now I will tell you, else. I bawled at the end of Hachi. I I think maybe I've seen that movie about the dog. Yeah, yeah I was like, Rob, um, 
Oh, Richard Gere. Yeah. Maria came out of the room and she's like, what's going on? And me and the girls are just bawling on the couch. You know, I have to say, I am a huge movie buff. I've always been a movie buff my whole life. I have probably do not want to know how many hours of my life or years of my life I've given to watching movies. So I've watched a lot of movies. And I appreciate a lot of the aspects of movies that a lot of people don't necessarily focus on, like cinematography and things like that and how music is used. And like one of my favorite composers of all time, I think he's right up there with anybody you ever want to mention, like a Bach or a Mozart, is John Williams. Oh, yeah. I think John Williams is a genius. And we are so lucky that he's still alive and it's probably not going to be much longer because the man's in his 90s and he's really pulling back from everything. Um, Michael Giacchino is another one that's coming up. He's really good. He's taken over a lot of the John Williams stuff, but anyway, I'll clean my nerd up when we're done. But one of the most masterful pieces of cinema I have ever seen in my life and that will, that, and they do it in like 10 minutes time and it's done through imagery, very little dialogue and music is the beginning to the movie up. Oh, Pixar, yeah. Pixar. Yeah. That if I was to if I was to start a film school to show you how to take an audience on an emotional journey through the simplicity of just imagery and music and the power of what you can do, that would be the masterclass of any movie ever created on how to walk someone through the emotions of a marriage. I thought you were gonna say the end the end of Return of the King. <laughs> no. That one, I cry at that one. That's a good one too. My friends, you stand for no one. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Especially if you've, you know, you've dedicated 10 hours of your life yes. at this particular point with these characters. That's a pretty good scene. But I think all in all, the gold star is, is the first 10 minutes of up, especially if you're a married, if you're a married person. Yeah. And and you sincerely love your, your spouse when you watch that. Oh, dude, that is an incredible piece of cinema. Yeah. So if you want to go ball like a baby, go watch the first 10 minutes. I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry. You're right. You're a robot. I am a robot. (laughs) I felt sad. Well, at least you felt something. I felt fear if I lost my wife. Mm Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're all different. Yeah. My master class ain't your master class. No, I'm like, I'm a robot. You're the last 10 minutes of, uh, or last 10 seconds of uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, man. My friends. You bow for no one. I know, and that, and if you would, if you were to understand the whole implications of that, yeah, it's like even greater. Yeah, it's a very tongue-in-cheek movie for the Bible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, uh, so it was uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Both, both those guys were friends. Yes. So Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis. Yes. So yeah, interesting. So there you go, Ben. Guardian <laughs> angels and everything else under the sun. <laughs> We covered Lord of the Rings. We covered, what did we not cover in this one? I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's all, it's all, you know, it's fun. It's like it's, we haven't seen each other forever. But I know. We, but there you go. But we have. That's yeah, the weird thing. We have. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's always like this, man. You, you got to think now. We've spent, this will be episode 22. Oh, right? wow. And you got to figure we do at least an hour and a half every time we meet. Yes. So you got to take 22 out on 11. You and I have sat down and down here and talked to each other for 30 Three hours. And you guys have listened to us for 33 hours. <laughs> so that's right. So if you've listened to every episode, Angie, I'm talking to you, <laughs> you get the gold star, our super fan. So yeah, I guess with that, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Any final words on, on angels? 
They're around us. Yeah, I think so. We just can't see them. I think so. Some people can. Yeah, I think they do. I think they have that ability. I'm, I'm, I should. I can't see them. I can't either. I wish I could sometimes. But then again, you know, be careful what you wish for. I know. Just stay in your lane, you know? Yeah. It's probably one of those where it's like, I gave you certain giftings. Just be happy with those. Don't 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 start asking for other stuff. Yeah. Just focus on the ones you got and hone those for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we'll, we'll, maybe, maybe we'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will bid you adieu until the next time.